Chapter 62 The Congregation Al-Jumu'ah In the name of God, the most compassionate, the most merciful. This chapter takes its name from the ninth verse in which the Friday prayer is discussed. This is derived from the word ijtima', which means an assembly of people. Friday prayer is congregational in nature that the people of a city or locality hold once a week. It is also considered a political religious rite that differs from the regular daily ritual prayers. It consists of two sermons, one of which is always devoted to analyzing social issues and thus, naturally, contains an overview of the ruler's activities. The rationale for the Friday prayer is that since Muslims devote six days a week to their personal affairs, they should devote one day to their community, neighbors, friends, relatives, and society as a whole. Everything in the heavens and earth praises God, the Sovereign, the Holy, the Almighty, the Wise. Whatever is in the heavens and on earth glorifies God, meaning that their life and movement is purposeful. Therefore, all creatures on earth play a positive role in God's ordained path. The rest of the verse introduces four of God's characteristics. 1. The Sovereign 2. The Pure and Holy 3. The Mighty and 4. The Wise the sovereign, Melik, means the monarch, one who rules and has authority. The pure and holy, Quddus, the empathetic form of holy and sacrosanct, means infinitely pure, without fault and perfect. Mighty, Aziz, means one who has power and greatness. Wise, Hakim refers to one whose actions are calculated, based as they are on knowledge, logic, and wisdom, and therefore acts rationally. The powerful are usually inclined toward irrational decisions based on whims, which is why the Quran reminds us of God's wisdom. He is mighty and acts rationally and wisely. As such, these characteristics, in a sense, unveil a deeper truth and function as an introduction to God. The God who is your king is infinitely pure, holy, and mighty. And yet, his actions are not those of a dictator, but rather emanate from wisdom. It is he who raised among the unlettered a messenger, from among themselves to recite to them his signs, to purify them and make them grow spiritually, and teach them the scripture and wisdom, although before that they were in complete error. What has God willed for the world of humanity? Ba'atha means raised, or to awaken and activate something that is stationary, just like a dead person will be reanimated on the day of resurrection or someone who is asleep and motionless and then awakens. In a backward society, one in which everyone is dormant, 
someone suddenly wakes up and is revitalized, grows and rises. This is Ba'atha. Whenever the Quran uses the words variations, it denotes an awakening, rising, growth, and flourishing. A messenger from among themselves. He did not choose someone unfamiliar with the Meccan's culture and incapable of understanding them. But for what purpose was such an exceptional individual chosen and raised from such a place? Just as God has four characteristics, this prophet had four tasks. 1. To recite to them his signs. To raise people's awareness about his signs, meaning symbols and indications of God in nature and within human beings. 2. To purify them and make them grow spiritually. The Prophet has to cleanse and refine the people by removing things that impede growth. 3. Teach them the scripture. Teach them the book does not mean the Quran, but the Prophet is required to teach people his laws and regulations, anything that is written and constitutes the established law. 4. Teach them the wisdom. The Prophet has to teach wisdom to the people. God has sent him as his messenger to transmit his qualities to humanity. God introduces four of his characteristics and then sent a messenger to implement the four goals emanating from them. And to confer all these benefits upon others of them who are yet to join. And he is the Almighty the wise. God did not send the Prophet to convey these messages only to his fellow Meccans, for the Quran mentions others of them who are yet to join. Thus, the message as well as its programs and prosperity are meant for future generations of humanity, regardless of time and place. The Almighty, the wise, someone who is mighty and grounds his actions on wisdom. This is the grace of God that he grants to whomever he wills, and God possesses the supreme grace. This is the grace of God. It is an elevated status that God gives to whoever deserves it, for he grants it to whomever he wills. So far, this has been about the Prophet's rise and the four-part program entrusted to him by God. But given that earlier believers had their own book and messenger or messengers, the Quran contains historical references to remind us not to repeat their errors, namely being ungrateful for the distinction and bounties that God has bestowed upon them. The rest of the chapter refers to the children of Israel. The example of those who were entrusted with the Torah but did not implement its teachings is that of a donkey carrying a load of books. What a miserable example of those who deny God's signs. He does not guide those who are unjust. It means that this knowledge, the Torah, and bounty was also entrusted to Moses' followers. But they neither implemented 
nor acted according to its teachings. Rather, they only took it off the shelf for certain occasions, e.g. weddings and funerals. For ease of understanding, Quran informs us that such people are like a donkey carrying books. Thus, a society that does not act in accordance with its holy book cannot be considered dignified. This parable is not limited to the Jews but also applies to any nation and people that has a holy book, be it Christians with the Bible or Muslims with the Quran, who ignore their teachings. What a miserable example of those who deny God's signs. Denial, here, does not mean to declare God's signs to be lies and false, but to deliberately ignore one's religious duties. Thus, the Jews denied the Torah through their deeds by not implementing it in their daily life, a reality that the Quran views as abominable. He does not guide those who are unjust. This has nothing to do with one person oppressing another person, but with the fact that one who has a blessing neither values nor uses it. In short, such a person is guilty of committing injustice by removing anything from its natural and logical place. God says that He has given humanity a book to guide its members, but this book cannot fulfill its purpose when people limit their interaction with it to putting it on the shelf or just carrying it around. Say, O Prophet, you who follow the Jewish faith, if you think you are friends of God to the exclusion of humanity at large, then you should wish for death if you are truthful in your claim. If you suppose that you are friends of God, people who love God, the chosen and the best in the world, and that you are the only special servants of God, are you not proclaiming all others to be unworthy? If you sincerely believe this, then wish for death so that you will be reunited with the one whom you claim to love so intensely. And yet you continue to cling to this world. How is it that you love both God and your money, wealth, comfort, and prosperity? Clearly this is a contradiction. God is not wishing for your death, for this is nothing more than a parable. If you are God's chosen people and have such a bond and relationship with Him, of course He will guarantee your entrance into paradise. So pray for death. But they will never wish for it because of what they have stored up for themselves with their own hands. And God knows the wrongdoers very well. Their proclaimed wish for death is no more than pious rhetoric, for they have spent their lives enslaved to their wealth and riches. How can they just give up all of this and move on? In other words, their actions speak louder than their words. Wrongdoer, here, is in the sense of oppressing others. There are different types of oppression. One is directed toward others, and another is to oneself. 
and God knows them all very well. Say, O prophet, the death you run away from will surely come to meet you, and you will be returned to the one who knows the unseen as well as the seen. He will tell you all that you used to do. You are trying to escape death, but death will ultimately overtake you. So to whom will you return? You will be returned to the one who knows the unseen as well as the seen. In other words, to him who knows everything about you and is aware of every minute detail of you without exception. And moreover, what you used to do. Thus, you will be made aware of all your deeds and actions. The last three verses are a historic reference. This chapter begins with a prologue, followed by God commissioning the prophet and sending down the book to explain the divine characteristics, inviting us to take a look at the past, and finally suggesting that we reflect on our ancestors' experiences so that we will not repeat their mistakes. Obviously, God does not intend to talk ill of his servants, feel animosity toward them, or punish the people of the book. Rather, his intention is to warn us so that we will take heed and not make the same mistakes. O oh, you who believe, when the call to prayer is made on the day of congregation, Friday, hurry toward the remembrance of God and leave business aside. That is best for you, if you only knew. When the call to the Friday prayer is made, leave what you are doing and hurry toward the place of prayer in remembrance of God. Given that these verses were revealed in Mecca, at a time when the people were primarily engaged in trade, as opposed to industry, agriculture, or breeding livestock, the verse is phrased accordingly. This call to prayer and invitation takes precedence over any other call. Offering prayer does not benefit God in any way. Rather, if you reflect you would realize that it is in your personal and social interest to gather with others, to participate in this congregational prayer, and then return back to work. When the prayer has ended, disperse in the land and seek God's bounty. Remember God often so that you may prosper. When the prayer is over, Return to your job instead of wasting your time in idle talk and chatter with others. Seek God's bounty means that we are mandated to take advantage of all the facilities and opportunities He has provided for us in nature. Many think that salvation is in the hereafter, but here, prosper means that remembering God will enable you to grow and develop here in this world. This verse encourages one to work, instead of sitting around after prayer and wasting time. Yet when they see trade or entertainment, they disperse and leave you standing. Say, 
O Prophet, what is with God is better than entertainment and commerce. For God is the best of providers. The last verse is another critique of the Prophet's contemporaries. A story is related as to why this verse was revealed. The companions were attending the Friday prayer when a trade caravan suddenly entered the city. They would announce their arrival by playing musical instruments to attract customers. When those attending the Friday prayer heard the music, they abandoned the prophet and rushed toward the caravan. This verse says that some people, upon seeing an opportunity for trade or some other diversion, pour forth wholeheartedly and leave you standing. What is with God is better than entertainment and commerce. The real meaning is that you are so preoccupied with this world that even while you are standing behind the Prophet in prayer, you leave what is divine, infinite, and pertains to your eternal fate, just to purchase some material goods. What is with God is better, and He is the best of providers. This verse does not prohibit trade or shopping, but rather questions priorities by disapproving of what the companions did. In this case, we are being asked what priority we give in our life, God's bounty or this world's glitter. In which one do we expend more time, energy and capital?